Welcome to Supersize Science, where we feature research and discoveries nationwide enabled by advanced computing technology and expertise at the Texas Advanced Computing Center of the University of Texas at Austin. I'm Jorge Salazar, science writer at TAC. Scientists are looking deeper into the mysterious characteristics of vortexes and turbulence in recent studies by Texas Tech University scientists that use Frontera, Stampede 2, and Lone Star 5 supercomputers here at TAC. Allocated through the Extreme Science and Engineering Discovery Environment, funded by the National Science Foundation. A possible application of the Texas Tech Vortex research could help improve fuel efficiency for cars and help develop energy-saving aircraft designs and more. The Vortex research was published October of 2021 in the Annual Review of Fluid Mechanics. On the line to discuss the findings are study co-authors Jay Yao and Fazal Hussein. Yao is a postdoctoral researcher in the Department of Mechanical Engineering at Texas Tech. Hussein is the President's Endowed Distinguished Chair in Engineering, Science, and Medicine, and Senior Advisor to the President of Texas Tech University. Hussein is also Yao's advisor and a professor in the Departments of Mechanical Engineering, Physics, Chemical Engineering, Petroleum Engineering, Internal Medicine, and Cell Physiology and Molecular Biophysics. Doctors Yao and Hussein, welcome to Supersized Science. Nothing can be more topical then these tornadoes in the last few days, 30 tornadoes killed probably over uh, 100 people and maybe damaged what the billions of dollars, maybe thousands of billions of dollars. So that's a direct living example of vortex. That's a vortex. You can have such vortices in ocean and when you have many such vortices form over seas, that together come together. If vortices are separate, they have a tendency to come together if they're in the same direction and march to form bigger and bigger. That's the genesis of hurricane. And so these are all vortices. The hurricane is a little bit more complicated. Tornado is very simple vortex, it's a straightforward vortex. You can see it. Sometimes they have the dust showing the core of the vortex of the, of the tornado. Today, there is nothing more. Last two, three days, full-time news, CNN and BBC is just this tornado. There were 30 tornadoes hit six states. So it's a good, good time to have such an example. So there are many such vortices within the ocean and tornadoes, hurricanes, cyclones. In Indian subcontinent, hurricanes are called cyclones. I think cyclones are both on land and water Hurricane is mostly on water and tornado mostly on land. Uh, so this is a very clear example of vortex. Second is flow behind a wind turbine, uh, three vortices intertwirling around. And then the one vortex impinges on the next uh, wind turbine and that uh, you know deteriorates its uh, is performance. I mean, actually, Jay should be talking all the time. Yeah, just. Yeah, one takeaway we find that vortex, particularly we study vortex, what is vortex reconnection? Yeah, if you have two vortex come together, it will reconnect and recombine to become form two new, new vortex. Yeah. So we found that this is a, one of the main physical mechanisms of turbulence cascade. Turbulence is another very difficult subject. Yeah. So. So you can explain how the energy can cascade from large scale structures to small scale structures. Yeah, this is one of key findings. 
Then beyond that, we also find that reconnection can be used to study uh, very important mathematical question, which is the final time singularity formation of what we call Navistock equations, yeah, whether whether there's a singularity of Navistock equation or not. Yeah. This is our two and other things we found related to that when we study the relationship between what has reconnection and aerodynamic noise generation. So other is like also helicity dynamics, the helicity is another quantity which is the velocity times a dot what is the helicity. So these are the main issue covered in the annual from from clinic. Some are done by ourselves, some are done by other people because it's a review paper. Yeah. So, just summarize all, all what progress in this stage about what has three connections here. Yeah. In the vortex dynamics, you can take a three semester course, graduate course. So it is a very vast subject. There are very massive books. So, uh, you know, it's like asking, tell us about what is life. So you can talk for 10 hours or talk for one sentence. Uh, I mean, vortex is a very, very vast subject. You can have typically incompressible vortex, like your tornado is essentially incompressible, okay? Then you can have a compressible, like the uh, hypersonic uh, jet or rocket flow behind, there are a lot of vortices. Not all vortices are wintry vortices. Then you also have stratified vortex, like in the ocean and the atmosphere. I mean, ocean, the stratification is much more than in the atmosphere and so on and so forth. So fundamental question is, I may give a slightly different color. <clears throat> the uh, Wilson, when he got the Nobel Prize in 1984 in physics, he said, when he meets God, he will ask two questions. Why did he create quantum mechanics and why did he create turbulence? And he said, he didn't say if, he said when he meets us and that he's, he has a clear idea about the quantum mechanics, but he wonders even if God knows why he created turbulence and will it ever be understood. So that's the bottom line, okay? And almost all flows except flow up the trunk of a tree or, or the leaves, the flow is turbulent. So that and also flow in your capillaries is laminar, even though it is pulsatile, it's time dependent because of your pulse of your heart. Otherwise, more or less every flow, except for dust or you know, microorganisms flow is turbulent. So turbulence is very important for control of drag of aeroplanes so you can save fuel. And if you save fuel means also, you're also saving the atmosphere from products of pollution. And uh, so to uh, drag of a submarine or a you know, regular passenger airplane and also drone and so on. So the flow happens to be turbulent and turbulent flows defy any explanation because it is random, but it's not totally random. It is not featureless like granular turbulence. There are turbulence on many scales, all superimposed. So how do you explain such a phenomenon? And second is typically structures originate in the largest scale and on the average goes to small scale, but in between there is also reverse transfer, but those are higher order questions. The first question is, 
what is the mechanism that turbulence is converted or turbulent kinetic energy is converted from large scales to small scales. And this is called production. Uh, and the process from large to small is cascade. Cascade is part of production. But when the ultimately all turbulence will be dissipated into heat and this process is called dissipation. Namely, if you have a bunch of kids swimming in the swimming pool, I guarantee you by the end of the day, if the water temperature did not change, the swimming pool will be hotter because so many people have stirred up the water so much and there is dissipation. So <clears throat> the, the question is, in what way does turbulence cascade from the large scale to small scale? So Kolmogorov was the probably still the most prominent turbulence expert. He was a mathematician. There are many theories about Kolmogorov. So he drew a bunch of big eggs and little eggs. But you know, if you are in fluid mechanics, flow doesn't occur in pockets. Their flow is associated with vorticity. Vortex line cannot just abruptly stop. So it has to continue up to infinity. So there are a tangle of vortex lines. And so vorticity provides a more deterministic approach to understanding, explaining turbulence physics, and also cascade. But no one has yet shown exactly how cascade happens. Uh, there was a Lundgren, he said it is a basis by which, you see, by dimensional argument, Kolmogorov showed that spectra must be wave number two to minus five third from large to small. This is the slope that dictates or de denotes the rate of transfer from the slope. But how it happens, he said, well, if there's a sheet of vorticity, it'll roll up. And as you continuously stretch, it will keep on spinning. And that spacing between the sheets is five third. But such sheet does not happen in reality. Like the flow inside your trachea is turbulent, even in your heart is turbulent, even in the descending aorta is turbulent, but these are not there. So for many years, we have been thinking that it must be reconnection. So here is a one vortex and here is another vortex. If you have any arbitrary two, imagine two vertical filaments. So this, if you have any arbitrary two vortex filaments, they will automatically, this part will push this part up and this part will push this part up. So they will become anti-parallel. And if, naturally they will never, if it's anti-parallel is dipole, it's just move. But if there's a curvature, they will also move. They'll bang into each other. And because there's viscosity, these vortex lines, which are only in this and this, they'll reconnect. That means this is a topological transformation because neighbors are no more neighbors. If you have a sheet and you put a cut, then you have changed the topology. Or a spoon and a sheet of paper, the same topology. I know that I'm sure you know this stuff. So these are topological transformations. And so we claim for many years that it must be this reconnection, which is the underlying cause. And so he showed by direct numerical simulation, until about three years back, the highest Reynolds number is just the circulation, the, the uh, spinning velocity, 
divided by viscosity is called Reynolds number of vortex. We could not go above 10,000. Uh, 10,000 barely could go. Uh, this limits the, the, the upper limit of supercomputers. So, but the trailing vortex of 747 Boeing or Airbus, uh, what is it, uh, 380, is about 10 million. So it's beyond any possible chance of simulation for probably many decades, if not many centuries. You will not be able to simulate this. But we were able to push it high enough to see that, yes, some of our ideas are indeed correct, on which we have written other papers. And so this reconnection, you see, like if you have two rings, one is red and one is blue, you collide from two rings, half red, half blue, half red, half blue. And of course, this was a miracle when we first discovered, not us, Safman and the Japanese professor. And then, uh, but it turned out that this red and blue is not complete. There's some other threads, and they are not clearly visible because they're stretched. When you stretch vortex filament, vorticity increases, but the dye or smoke concentration decreases. Pretty soon you have a very intense vortex sitting here, but there's not do no dye or smoke, so you don't see it. And 95% of research in turbulence in the last 100 years have been primarily based on visualization without realizing unless the diffusivity of the scalar and the vorticity is same, which is called Schmidt number, that means Schmidt number one, then the two fields are quite different. So dynamically significant events in a turbulent flow or in vortex interactions are not visible and, and have been obscured from observation. So these are some of the details we have. And then what happens? So this vortex reconnection it creates many smaller structures. So this is one way of saying it is cascade, but it is also very critical. Like if you have a, let's say a ring, uh, these are all idealization of gasoline in a ring of air. So they'll reconnect. So this is a way of getting fuel and air to mix at the molecular level so you can get more juice out of the, uh, the fuel. As you know, part of the energy that we we uh, we would could use from combustion in automobile is not used because not there is not enough mixing in the carburetor. So some of the fuel leaves without being burned, or some of it burned in the tailpipe or outside. That's wasted because we're not using that the thermal energy. So it's mixing. This is simple mixing, chemical reaction and also mass transfer, all these. Where is mass transfer most prominent? From the trees. You see that the water is continuously evaporating from the leaves and it's being transported away by turbulence. So there is, has to be, this has to be replenished by the water coming through the roots. Even though you cut a tree, you don't see water coming out. The water speed is very slow uh, and the amount of water is very little but there is water flow because the water is being, the vegetation is losing water, so you have to irrigate. So there are many, many such, the spray, you know, the insecticide and, and the, even the uh, fertilizer spray, 
these are also turbulence phenomena. And uh, the same thing also, uh, the, the flow behind the rocket. Uh, there's an intense turbulence mixing. So turbulence normally we mean by just two fluid. Even we don't sometimes worry about viscosity. But it is viscous. And uh, also, uh, they're non-Newtonian, the, the, the fuel you're injecting. And, and so they're, uh, they mix and burn. And the, if the burn, suppose you have oxygen and you have fuel. They come together, they burn. Then they, it forms an insulation. So they cannot come together anymore and burn. So unless you break it up and penetrate that oxygen and the fuel mix, then it cannot continue to burn. So the combustion is a very sophisticated uh, branch of uh, fluid turbulence. You also have hypersonic flow. Jay has also a formula how to know in the hypersonic flow where there's a vortex and where there's not vortex. What's the most important thing that you want people to know about using supercomputers to understand turbulence, to understand vortexes? I think that's, as I say, that supercomputer is a very important tool for studying turbulence and vortex dynamics, in addition to theoretic and experimental approaches. And I think that will become more and more important in vortex research and turbulence research because that becomes powerful enough to give us more details of the flows and give more physics of flows. Yeah. Our problems are still limited to what is, you know, small scale problems are not comparable to the practical problems. I think that as a progress of supercomputer and then you can slowly slowly tackling more realistic problems yeah to understand turbulence phenomena like even in the ocean or atmosphere you have two approaches theory is two ideas either you experiment or you do numerical experiment which you call simulation in physical experiment there are many many problems there is a inherent uncertainty i'm sure you've heard the word uncertainty which is quite related to Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, that nothing you can measure as accurately as you'd like to know. As Heisenberg is slightly different, his position and momentum, you cannot know both accurately, you can know one accurately, not the other one. <clears throat> so apart from uncertainty, there is a probe size effect. So, no matter how small the probe is, hot wires, you cannot see it, it's so small. I have used 0.7 micron diameter hot wire. You cannot see below 20 micron. So, but you have to have a certain length and there's a end conduction effect. And, but you're averaging over the length of the wire, but the structures are smaller than the length. So optical also, there are many, many problems. You have to get signal from a point, but it's, you have to do all kinds of filtering uh, to zero in at a point. But then if you zero in at a point, you have one particle, then nothing, another particle. So you're not getting statistics. You have to have many particles to get a statistics. So the experimental facilities have many problems of facility design and many problems in instrumentation. Then of course, data acquisition, data storage and data processing and the input-output is also the uh, most limiting uh, constraint. So supercomputer, I, was, I am and I was an experimentalist for over five decades. And I came to the conclusion, the things I want to know, there's no way you can ever get these details 
by uh, uh, experiments or visualization or combination thereof. So supercomputer is the only possible solution except we can do it only for Lorentz number. Now there is an underlying philosophy in turbulence. It's called Reynolds number similarity. That some statistics does not change so much with Reynolds number. So if you do low Reynolds number, which you can do accurately, you can extrapolate what is happening to higher Reynolds number. But still it's not the same thing. So the real world data are not available experimentally. Uh, they're not available computationally. The supercomputers are not super enough yet. This point should hit you hard. The, the, that's the main point. So without supercomputers, we could not do this so far what we have done. But we are not there yet, anywhere near. You've been listening to Jay Yao and Fazal Hussein of Texas Tech University. Supersized Science is part of the Texas Podcast Network, the conversations changing the world brought to you by the University of Texas at Austin. The opinions expressed in this podcast represent the views of the hosts and not of the University of Texas at Austin. For the Texas Advanced Computing Center, I'm Jorge Salazar.